You're listening to the Fearless Business Podcast. You're in the best place to learn about how to grow a business, get more clients, and make more money without fears and limitations. All while having fun in the process. Robin Waite is the founder of Fearless Business, a business accelerator helping coaches, consultants, and freelancers double their income and more. This is Fearless Business, and this is Robin Waite. Uh, welcome, everybody. So this is a slightly unusual episode um, for the YouTube channel today. So I'm actually here uh, filming with Darren uh, Ockenden, who is a YouTube and podcasting expert. And uh, we're actually visiting uh, a, a sort of a mutual, well, mutual friends, local celebrity, a guy called Rob Moore a bit later on. So I figured whilst we're both here, we might as well record some content. And I thought today what we talk about is uh, using video and podcasting for coaches, well, and consultants and freelancers, this applies to anybody who wants to be in the expert sort of space. Um, so I suppose, where do we start, Darren? Where's a, where's a good place to start? Um, let's start with uh, podcasting. Cool. So let's talk about personal brands, I think, because yeah. funnily enough, Robin, um, on the way here, I was listening to the Disruptor podcast by the person that we're visiting later. Uh, and the episode that I picked, first of all, out of about 404 was personal brands. Um, yeah, so why don't we start there? So uh, one of the things which I've learned about podcasting is that, one, it can be quite labour-intensive, and I think that puts a lot of people off, especially when you start to do YouTube. I mean, we've been faffing for about 30 minutes, I think, trying to get cameras set up, mics set up, and various things like that. And I think for a lot of business owners, that can be quite overwhelming. So a good place to start might be, how about you share a tip around how to just get activated and get yourself in front of the camera so that you can start to get your personal brand out there? Okay, yeah. Um, so uh, yesterday I was filming uh, at a dog grooming uh, event and I was doing customer testimonials for one of my clients. Um, and it, it amazes me, um, it doesn't amaze me because I, I am the same. I'm nervous now, uh, I'm sure. Uh, most people when they get in front of a camera are nervous and it, it takes a lot but what i would say is it's practice you need to practice you need to practice so it, you know when i first started i would crumble in front of a camera so far this is our first take it just takes practice it takes time and my advice would be is to just do it mess up keep going do it again get more confident and you will find before long that you just become much better at it the other thing uh, i don't know if you're going to agree with this rob but I'm just going to say it. Um, the other thing that I would recommend, if you're going to re record, say, YouTube content or something like that, where you, you're doing a long-form video, it's really intensive to remember what you're going to say and to not go on too much. So I actually am a big fan of teleprompters. Okay, um, interesting. Now, Slightly controversial. Slightly controversial, yeah. yeah. Uh, now, that is with a caveat. And that caveat for me is use a teleprompter to get going. Get your confidence up, get in front of the camera, get used to that, have that help with your script. So try and script it very succinct and to the point so your video's not going on for too long, but, but give yourself that aid, right? And then once you've got your confidence there, try not using the teleprompter. Mm. So, all right, there's gonna be a bit of a dip in content in terms of your presentation because you're now getting rid of the teleprompter, but you're, you're now more confident. So you're now taking that away and then you'll continue that confidence building. And that's just what we do with a few clients and we find that works for us, albeit it can be controversial because it might slow down that improvement, yeah. but it, 
it, it just gives you that aid. We, we created, so the first, I remember the first 30 or 40 videos which I created for the my YouTube channel, like it was proper cringe. I look I look back on them because they're, they're unlisted now on my site, on, on the channels. You can't find them, unfortunately. There'll be a couple of early ones in there, but I look back and they were awful. Just like really wouldn't. And interestingly, we did use a teleprompter. Eventually what we did do to speed up the process was we... Um, uh, just got a sheet of paper with, and we had the title of the video on it, and then five bullets that we were going to talk about. And straight away, it just made the whole process that much easier because it was just like, right, two minutes on each one of the, or one to two minutes on each one of those topics. And as an expert, you know, if you're a coach or a consultant, you know your content and just have like faith in yourself. Hmm. So I backed myself. We, I talked for a minute or two on each one of those topics and try and do it in one take without really thinking about it. And the content was good enough. I'm not, you know, it was it was reasonably well produced. You know, it didn't look too awful. Uh, I would say that probably after about 30 or 40 videos, I found my stride. And um, the other thing as well is I, I made life really easy for myself with that content because one of the things which I did was, so it's based around the book, Online Business Startup. So there was 30 odd chapters in there. And we ended up just doing a video on each one of those chapters. And at the end of each chapter, I created a summary section which had like the four or five bullet points in it already. So I didn't have to think too hard about the content. I'd already written about it. And the nice thing was there that we then, and I think this is like one of the big, biggest learnings for me is, I think a lot of people get, they think, oh, I'll launch a YouTube channel, I'll be famous. I'll launch a podcast channel, I'll be famous. I'll write a book, I'll be famous. But it's actually a combination of building up all of those different marketing assets. And I think that's where some of the things which you do where you're repurposing content. So we took the book content, turned it into a video series. You know, we took some of that content and turned it into podcasts, you know, and started to repurpose it. You can then maximize the value of each one of those assets. Yeah. So uh, just to cover off, first of all, actually, do you know what? Uh, going very right back to what we're saying, I think the teleprompter is a good start. And then you've hit the nail on the head there. Then, then I would suggest go from there to having just some bullet points because nothing will kill your content quicker than labor in a point. So to have the bullet points just to keep you on track. And then hopefully by then you build the confidence up, you can then remove that and then you're then freestyling it. And that, that's a sort of nice process with, with aids to help you get along. Uh, in terms of repurposing, yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. So the, the problem is, and we were talking about this over breakfast, weren't we? Is that as a business owner, you've got to run your business. But you also need to get out there and get your brand out there, get yourself out there, your personal brand, what, depending on the business, you, you need to get the business out there. And it's so labor intensive to start a podcast, to start a YouTube channel. You might have a Facebook group where you do a weekly live and you might do a blog. You've got to constantly update your website. You might be doing that through your blog, but there's, there's so many things to think about when yeah. it comes to marketing. And what we very quickly found in business is actually by helping business owners maximize their reach with the limited time they've got, that's, that's worked really well for mm -hmm. us. So for example, uh, we have a mutual friend, Bill, um, and I know Bill won't mind me, me saying this. Bill does a weekly live in his Facebook group. And from that, we can get to- We should do a shameless plug. That's Bill Betts, Pet Passion to Profit. Yeah, Pet Passion to Profit. <laughs> and uh, we, so if you, you can listen to his podcast. Yeah. So it's the Dog Grooming um, Business Help and Support Podcast. Uh, it's, it's extremely popular. It's had over 50,000 downloads, which is, is really good for his niche. Um, he's, you know, he's, he's done really well with it. But that comes from repurposed Facebook Lives. So he sends us the live. We repurpose that into um, his podcast. And from there, we can also make it into a YouTube video as well. Mm. Now, 
don't get me wrong, the YouTube video isn't gonna hit the algorithms and that's not gonna take them to 10,000 subscribers. That, that's simply not enough work to do that. That's not enough thought that goes into it. But it, what it is, it's long form pieces of content that he's constantly putting out for his business that delivers value to his target market. And, and you know, I learned this from you uh, and that's what you need to do. You need to, yeah. you need to deliver value to his customers. So as a coach and as a mentor, what he's doing is every week by spending 45 minutes on a live, he's now getting free pieces of long form media to push out over his platforms. And what we find, because I work closely with Bill, is that by pushing people across the different platforms, as we all know with you know with Google Zero Moments of Truth, that's what you need to do. Yeah. And that's, I think, part of his success. Well, let's rewind a second, because Bill's like a really interesting case study. So um, Bill, what was interesting about Bill is there was like, Bill, whenever I tell him to do something for, to build his personal brand up, I, I always get the same response. He, he kind of takes a big, big deep intake of breath, and then he's like, okay, I guess I'll go and do the podcast then. But he just knuckles down and just gets on with it. And I think this is the thing which stops most business owners, that they massively overthink it. They think that they've got to massively overproduce it. They've got to get all the lighting, all of the kit, you know, and, and the cameras and stuff like that. They've got to have everything meticulously scripted and planned, you know. And actually, the best thing you can possibly do is just make that simple commitment to start. It's an interesting stat. Um, there's, what, half a million podcasts out there worldwide, globally at the moment. And the average number of episodes that those podcasts have, so across all half a million podcasts, the average episode, uh, sorry, the average podcast gets seven episodes out. So that means there's a, and that's a bell curve if you think about it, there's a vast number, majority of those podcasts that are like one episode and then they give up, right? And the way I look at it, whenever you're launching anything, whether it's a podcast, a YouTube channel, a blog, get like, just focus on getting your first 10 out. And you, you said something really interesting there, which was around, if you're a busy business owner and you don't feel you've got time to do this, well, first of all, that's an excuse. You, you will, if you want to do this, you'll make the time. But if you could only do one video or one podcast episode a month, then just do that. By the end of the year, you've now got 12 videos or 12 episodes out there. You're already, you've nearly doubled the amount of the average podcast or YouTube channel. Yeah. And, and this is the thing. Um, podcasting, it's one of those things. We see, it, we see it a lot in the new year, right? So what, what will happen is people have a bit of time off over Christmas, quite rightly. They've had a busy year. And what you'll do is you'll spend a bit of that, bit of that time uh, thinking about what you're going to do next year. And there's an interesting stat, I can't remember it exactly, but something like 95% of podcasts stop by episode four. And then of those, about 90% stop by, of those, 10, uh, of those 5%, 90 odd percent stop by episode 20. And the reason for that is because people will come back from a break, they'll be raring to go, they're going, I'm going to get on this, and then I'm going to hit the floor running. But then you'll quickly fall out of steam when the business starts to pick back up yeah. and you've got new clients coming in and, and the, the, the operations of the business takes over. But there's also a mindset associated with it because I think too many business owners just want quick wins. They just want like immediate results and oh, I've got to go and get clients and they're focused on entirely the wrong thing. Do you know Diary of a CEO, Steve Bartlett, Diary of a CEO, went for three years before he hit, started to get any of the sort of the big name interviewees onto his channel that he's currently, you know, that he's getting now. And before he started to get, I guess what we would class as like some element of like media fame through YouTube and through his podcast, three years and if it takes somebody like Steve Bartlett three years to do, you can see that the average average coach, consultant, freelancer is going to have to put probably a lot more time, energy, and effort into it than that. Yeah, and but this is why repurposing is so important, and and I totally agree with you. 
you know, it's, it's like a diet and exercise, right? And I would, I'd just, just before, after I've said this, I want to come back onto our Wednesday session because you yeah. gave me some brilliant advice there and I think it'd be good for a lot of other people. Um, but with diet and exercise, I've been there, as anyone watching this will probably have seen. Um, you, what do you do? You go, right, I want to lose weight. You go to a gym. If you're anything like me, you'll go to a really high intensive gym. You've not exercised for six months. You'll go in there, you'll do five sessions and you'll be like, oh my God, I can't cope with this. Yeah. What you need to do with your podcast is you just need to, to calm down and say, right, I'm going to commit to an episode every two weeks. If that's what you can reasonably commit to for the whole year and just get an episode out every two weeks. But then why not repurpose that? Mm -hmm. it, you know, why not pay a VA? Why not pay motion to profit like me? Why not come, come to one of us who do this and say, right, how do I go about this? Yeah. Because it, it, it might be less than you think. And actually, if it's going to keep you consistent. And as we know, with any social media, it doesn't matter if it's podcast, YouTube or anything, consistency is key. Yeah. It, you need to be consistent or, or none of the algorithm. If I'm left to my own devices, rarely do I record content. I hate to say it, you know. It's, but the thing is, though, I, I, can I, can I, I suppose it'd be interesting to get some feedback. Can I afford to be slightly complacent? I mean, I've got... I've got close to 100 videos on YouTube. I've got 150 episodes out on the po podcast. So they're already working for me. Can I afford to be a little bit complacent and take breaks when I want to? Of course, yeah. It's not about, I don't think it's about being able to afford to. Look, you, you know, we're all human and we're going to stop at some point. If, if you can be consistent and be consistent, 100%, because that will help you. But like you said, you've put the time and a graft in. And I think it's important to remember that when you're creating long form media, especially, uh, and by long form media, I mean podcasts, you know, detailed how to videos on YouTube, that sort of stuff. You are creating media assets that will sit there and will, you know, will continue to deliver value to people. So I think you can afford to be a little bit complacent, but I'd say it's probably not ideal. You know, if you can keep that consistency, yeah. you do. Yeah, yeah. I've, no I've noticed because I um, I went through, I just thought as a, as a bit of an experiment, I'll see if see what it's like to post two short today. So I, I took the Ali Abdul interview, ran that through Oprah's clip, which is a fantastic, like if you're, if you're worried about expenses and paying a VA and stuff like that, which some people who are bootstrapping their business starting at will be, there are so many different AI tools out there now that can take care of a lot of that sort of content editing process for you. Mm. So Opus Clip, I managed to get 53 shorts out of, you know, 30 to 60 second shorts out of a two hour interview with Ali Abdul, right? And I thought, so I'm just going to have to commit to, everybody's saying do shorts and things like that. And I just did YouTube shorts. Um, and I, I noticed that some videos like 30, 40, 50 views, it got treated just like an ordinary long form piece of content on my channel. But there was probably about a fifth of those shorts which I published, and I was doing it twice a day consistently for about three weeks. Um, there was about a fifth of them popped off and they got sort of two or 3,000 views and I got some subscribers from it. So I can see the value in doing that, but God, it was a, there was a big undertaking to even just, you know, Opus took out the editing work, yeah. but then somebody needs to upload it to the channels. And I think that's where a lot of people get a bit, you know, overwhelmed. It's like stage two overwhelm. Mm. So now we've gone to the, like, we've plucked up the courage, we've filmed our content, now we've got to edit it and now we've got to publish it. And like the publishing I find is a, is a grind. Um, I'm also looking at, and I know I've, we've had a discussion about this, how about using tools like repurpose.io, for example? So if you can, you know, stomach uploading to shorts, but then now use something like repurpose to then send it off to reels. So Instagram reels, Facebook reels and TikTok. Yeah. yeah, anything you can use to make your, you know, to save your time is better. Look, if you're going to use something like repurpose, like Opus Clip, it's going to cost you a little bit of money, right? 
But how many clients do you have to do to repay that money? And, oh, it's uh, like 100 bucks for a year. Exactly and, and that. 4,000 hours worth of like content I can punch into it, so. Yeah, so, you know, and let's say, no, I don't want a robot to do it, I'm gonna come to Motion to Profit, my company to do it. That's gonna cost you money. But again, how, how much is a client worth to you? And you've yeah. got to work out that, your time is money, right? Yeah. You've got to work out how you can streamline your business well enough. You know, can you afford to? If you can, is your time better spent um, having it done for you, whether yeah. that be through AI, which, you know, as we know, is becoming more and better and better at what we're doing, yeah. or are you better off at spending the money there? But I just want to go back to our Wednesday conversation okay, uh, and sort of dissect that because um, I think it's really good advice and I was speaking about it with Bill at the weekend. Um, so uh, I come to you and I said, right, um, something had happened, and I won't go into that because it's a bit personal, something had happened and uh, I was like, right, I need to to push forward with a business, I want to get these types of clients, and we, we work with big corporate clients, and I really enjoy that side of it, and I want to get a couple of clients in. So I come to you in your coaching session, I said, right, more clients, how do I get these types of high-end clients? Um, I want to get some by, let's say, Christmas. Yeah. And uh, the, 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 uh, it was a lot of advice, but the bit that particularly stuck with me is that um, you want those clients, and it was like, you're coming at this from a, a view of desperate, not desperation, yeah, view of desperation. You're coming to this because you want them and that's what you want. So you're going to run some ads, you're going to throw a load of money at it and you're going to try and bring those people in for you. And I think that was that was great advice. And um, the ultimate plan now moving forward is to be consistent, like we are talking yeah. about, is to get out and make this content. And I think that is really relevant to what we're saying is that this is a long process. Yeah. And we're talking a lot about shorts, about YouTube videos, about podcasts, about repurposing, but you've got to do it over a long period of yeah. time. You've got to be You've got to be prepared consistent. to do it, because otherwise all you're playing for is like short, short-term results, short-term thinking. That, uh, the best, most sustainable businesses are not based around that type of thinking. They're, they're in it for the long haul. And like, ads are great. I, my view on, on advertising, I know this is a slight side from podcasting, and YouTube channels, but advertising for me, um, when it's been most successful, is amplifying a message which is already working. That's where ads come into their own. Whereas most, again, most business owners, when they're kind of starting out and trying to grow their their business, whatever it looks like, coaching practice, you know, or consultancy, they the, the organic stuff's not working fast enough, so they turn to ads, and then they wonder why the ads don't work. Well, that's why. You know, my 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 take on this as well is so you do the, the content consistently because that's great going back full circle to personal brand if somebody googles your name you want to be up there on the google organic search you want to be on the images tab so if you notice there's some tabs across the top and everybody ignores this but i always the moment i somebody comes to me and wants to come on the fearless business podcast for example i'll google their name if they don't appear in the organic search i'll click on images if i can't see them in images i'll click on videos yeah. and and then if if they're not on any of those I might then be tempted to go and look at their socials, but generally speaking, if they're not on those three, their socials are like 50 followers. Why would I want to have somebody with 50? That sounds, that sounds like really, uh, sorry, I hope it doesn't come across as being too arrogant, but when I've invested all that time, energy, money, effort into my podcast, why would I then ha have somebody on who's like 50 followers, hasn't invested anything in their own personal brand? I've had guests on where they haven't got many followers, but I can see they've really invested well in a website. Mm. They've got really nice looking socials. They've got some good quality content, maybe haven't got the follower base up there. But I can see that their personal brand is solid. 
they're good quality guests to have on the show because I know then that they're more likely to share the episode and there's more of a partnership happening. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think that with ads, like we were saying, um, at nearly every company that I work with, that I speak to, runs ads. Some, most companies that I speak to, they invest hundreds upon hundreds, probably thousands of pounds per month on ads. But then you speak to them and you say, well, what content are you creating? Well, I don't have time or money to do that. And you think to yourself, what you're doing is you're trying to pick off the low-hanging fruit, but you're yep. making no long-term plans for your business. Yep. So it's a bit like the argument I have. I had, I had this chat the other day with a business friend of mine, and he's paying, I think, £500 per month on pay-per-click. And I said to him, well, what are you doing for your SEO then? Like, what SEO strategy have you got? And he didn't know what SEO was. And I've sort of explained it to him, and I think this is the same. If you build a podcast, you've got to build the infrastructure in your yep. business. By, by just doing PPC, what you're doing is you're just paying us a load of money to, to Google every month. Well, fa- Facebook or Google change their algorithm and your marketing is screwed. That's where yeah. I look at it as well. And that's where you have to have a combination of organic plus media um, and partnerships. And if, if it doesn't matter then if one of those then stops working, mm. you've got the other two or three channels to then fall back onto. Yeah. Um, I've, I've had it before. There was a time, this is, make your eyes pop out of your head, there was a time when I was spending three grand a month on Facebook ads. Mm. £3,000 a month yeah. on Facebook ads, right? And uh, it worked for about eight months, no, five months, and then all of a sudden it just stopped working. Yeah. And I spoke to several different Facebook ad experts and nobody could tell me why my ads had stopped working. And eventually, because I'm a smart guy, smartish guy, it probably took me too long to figure it out. But it took me three months to work out that all that had happened is I'd burned through my warm audiences on the ads. And what I wasn't doing was um, filling up that sort of top of funnel cold audience at all. So in terms of getting new people on the Facebook group or Facebook page and YouTube subscribers and people into my email list, I wasn't paying attention to any of that. So, so that was, a, I mean, that was an expensive lesson, but it was an invaluable lesson. And that's why I'm able to confidently tell you, don't do ads do some ads, but don't just do solely ads because you need to invest in these longer-term marketing assets. 100%. And I think that's really important because actually, do you know what? Uh, we've got another mutual friend, at a digital marketing firm, Jamie Stenton. Again, I'm sure he won't mind us mentioning his name. Jamie runs a digital marketing campaign and I produced a video for him on his YouTube channel the other day, which was about... Um, a marketing strategy for franchises. And part of that was, well, actually, yeah, you need to drive traffic there. But then let's say I click on your website, I might not be ready to buy at that point. Yeah, yeah. I'm, an, I'm an engaged buyer because I'm Googling your service, but, but actually you're not the only person to appear on pay-per-click. Yeah. And also there's the SEO, the top page on Google. So I might have a little look around first. And if you've got no content, no value on your website, then it's not well, it's, like I said, it's it's website, podcast interviews, you know, image search on Google and, you, you know, the, the video section on Google as well, massively important. Um, the other thing which I was going to say could be really beneficial, actually, is like it's not this shouldn't just be about your own, you know, this isn't just about your channels either and your personal brand on your YouTube channel and your podcast. Um, one of the things which I've been able to do, and this is in part obviously why we're here t- today in Peterborough, is to leverage um, my personal brands and other people's networks. So, you know, there's plenty of other people out there with podcasts. And I, I, you can either kind of like elbow your way into other people's podcasts. You can obviously pay to play and sponsor somebody's podcast and effectively get interviewed by you know, and so long as there's alignment, I think that's a really great strategy. You know, if you don't want to pay 500 or 1,000 pounds a month on ads, 
will go and pay £1,000 to guest on somebody else's podcast. I know that that is a thing. But actually, one of the, th one of the things which I've done really well recently, it's only really happened this year, but um, uh, am I allowed to do like a, yeah, a an obvious it. like flex? Yeah, here? do it. So do I guessed it on, I talked about this a lot, but some people watching this may not know. I guessed it on Ali Abdal's podcast, you know, and he's got 4.6 million subscribers. That is, and there's alignment there in terms of our audiences as well. There's out of 4.6 million people, he's bound to have some small business owners on yeah. there. Um, and it, you know, it it there was it took some leverage. It took some kind of a long period of work. I put it on my vision board at the start of this year that I'd love to get onto his channel. I, I have known him for several years as well, and um, sort of just in a small mastermind. But but getting onto that podcast, you know, was has just been phenomenal in terms of what it's done for my own personal brand. So. For example, I've had over somewhere between 900 and 1,000 new leads into my database. Right. So that's through um, gifting the, the book. I've sent out three or 400 signed copies of Take Your Shot. Um, my, my own YouTube channel has grown by, it doesn't sound like a lot, but probably 250, 300 subscribers. But that's, that's a 10% growth in less than a month on my own channel. Um, you know, I've had my podcast has pop, popped back up into the, um, uh, the top 10 in a number of different countries as well, mm -hmm. um, you know, on iTunes. So, so actually leveraging, partnering up with other influential people, you know, and then leveraging those to grow your audiences and your podcast and YouTube channel, I think is a really great way to sort of grow, grow your personal brand. And uh, just another point on that, because um, how long ago was that interview? I know so it went recent. live on, I think, the, the first week in August. We actually yeah. recorded it probably about two or three months before that. Yeah. So that's still in its early stages. So, yeah. you know, I know that you are very clued up on YouTube, but a lot of people won't know that. Well, YouTube algorithms, YouTube will always, even for the most popular people, it will always test the content first and then it will keep pushing it because it will want to push out the most successful stuff. So actually, you know, that might be going out there. That, that still might only be 30% free. So there, there will still be leads coming yeah. in from that because like we were just saying, it's an asset that's gonna sit there on Ali's, uh, on, on Ali's YouTube channel. So I mean, it, it blows my mind that I can be on a, you know, and I suppose this is like comparisonitis. So I'm comparing it to my own size of my channel and audience and things like that. But that, that interview's had nearly 100,000 views already in a month on YouTube. You know, it's phenomenal. And I'm sure, like you said, it will continue to sort of trickle through. He, he does roundups periodically. So he did a roundup recently of season six of the podcast and that gave it another little boost. It will be on iTunes. I know eventually there'll probably be some shorts which will come out which will also, and reels as well, which will, I'll be tagged in. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is like Ali's got a whole production team. He's got you know about a dozen staff who were just solidly focused on producing content because he runs a media business basically. Um, you know, so I think, I think if you're, this is just kind of a piece of advice. I think if people are building up their personal brand, don't, don't go solo. Don't just try and do it all on your own. Use experts to help you produce that content and repurpose it, but also partner up with other people. And don't, don't feel as well, like there's, I could look at this and go, oh, well, who am I to go on the Deep Dive podcast with Ali Abdul or Rob Moore's channel, you know, he's got 250,000 subscribers. I, I even said, I'm gonna share something with you. So when I was having the conversation with Harry on Rob Moore's team, I had to ask the question, I said, are you absolutely sure you want me to be on your on your podcast? Because like I've got really small audiences, and it was I was so humbled by the response which I got, which was, no, no, we just want to build partnerships with like decent people in the industry because we can see that you've got good books there. You've, we can see you've commented on Rob's stuff. We can see that you're like a, you're 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 going things about things the right way. 
you know, and so it's a good partnership. And over time, who's to say, and this was the nice bit Harry said, who's to say that your audience won't accelerate and then then you'll feel more like it's a, a level playing field. I think that's absolutely right. And and also every entrepreneur I've met who's, who's mega successful, every entrepreneur I've met, and, and it, do you know what, even um, like I know you, for example, have gone above and beyond to help people. Now, it's not always about what's the best fit for me and what works for me. I think as business owners, generally speaking, we want people to succeed. Yeah. So, so they might be looking at that as well. They might be that there's definitely the, the benefits for them, but that they'll be looking at that as well and saying, well, actually, you know, he's going to have things the right way. And the guy just needs a bit of a break because yeah. Rob Moore will understand what that feels like to want that break, no yeah, doubt. Good point. And, you know, it's a very interesting. We were having a conversation the other day with a couple of my YouTube clients because we all got together, all three of us. And we were sat there and one of the things that we were talking about is Mr. Beast. Everyone now knows Mr. Beast, 130 million YouTube subscribers, massive. I think he's a billionaire off the back of his YouTube channel. But what people don't see of Mr. Beast is the seven years that him and 15 YouTubers used to have nightly meetings talking about what works, what doesn't work, when no one knew who they were. Yeah. Um, and this is the thing with a personal brand. No doubt, I, I was listening to Rob's podcast on the way here. It's, it's brilliant. But that's, I think that's episode 404, I think it was, off the top of my head. Yeah. And, you know, I'd be interested to go back and listen to episode one when he's at the start of that journey. And he might have started his podcast a bit later, but I'd like to go back to his early media. We've well, all, and hopefully you'll like to listen to podcast episode 405. You know, yeah. make sure you listen to that one first before oh, cool. you go back and listen to the others. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's my podcast episode, by the way, just... Uh, yeah, I think it'll be a bit, a bit yeah. yeah, have a look. Robin Waite with, with Rob Moore on, on Disrupt, Disruptors Podcasting. Yeah, Disruptive Entrepreneur. Disruptive Entrepreneur, yeah. It's, um, it, do you know what, it's, it's really good. And, you know, there's some controversial ones on there as well. And, and again, I think when you're producing content, it's not that bad to be controversial sometimes, as long as you manage it, as long as you're doing it in the right way. I think it's really good sometimes to have managed controversy with, within your business. And I know that um, already speak, uh, listening to Rob's, uh, Rob Moore's podcast. I sound like I know him. I, I've never, <laughs> but I, I feel like I know yeah. him because I've consumed a lot of his content. But um, yeah, no, um, it's being being controversial can be uh, quite good. I think you need to be able to stand behind what you're saying. Um, but sometimes we all have different opinions on things. And I think it's good to put your honest opinion out there, even if it is controversial, as long as you can back it up. Yeah. Well, this is one of the one of the biggest challenges I think people face as a small business owner putting content out. Um, we are concerned with what other people will think, and this is I'm going to do a little personal disclosure now. Criticism is like my kryptonite; it's my nemesis. I I, I, can't, I probably now it's going to be a load of people who are just going to put really awful comments in now just because they know this, but which is fine. But I, and it's taken me a long time to get comfortable with this. I've never liked criticism, whether it be a one-star review about my books, whether it be something in a, a Facebook comment or a YouTube comment or something like that. Um, it's, it's just a personal thing. There are people out there who seem to have quite thick skin and they can take criticism, but then they have other challenges in running a business. And one of the things which I've had to, the way I've had to turn it around is um, I'm not for everybody. I'm not going to be everybody's cup of tea, and that's fine. Um, I don't have to be like so controversial because that's going to elicit potentially a lot of criticism. Um, so I'm kind of setting myself up for a bit of a fall there. So I don't necessarily play it safe, but I do have an opinion when when I feel something strongly, and I have to be prepared to back it up. And and I think as well, like if you're worried about what other people will think, 
you know, that's always going to stop you from putting any kind of content out there. If you, if you're a, a coach and you want to get clients, you have to do video, you have to do podcasts, you have to put yourself out there in some way, speaking engagements or books, you have to do that. And that means you're going to get some negativity and some criticism as, as a result of it. You, you've, if you're selling you, then what are people signing up for? You yeah. have to produce that media. It's that simple. And if you don't, you're, you're always going to sit on the periphery of being successful. You, you're never going to, you know, you might go to a networking group, convince someone to sign up, but you're never going to scale well. Yeah. In, in terms of the criticism, I think you're only human like the rest of us. And, and I think everyone suffers with that. Like I'm, I'm the same. And, and to be honest, even, I don't, I don't know anyone that's not, wouldn't take things personally sometimes. But I think it's a really interesting world we live in where sometimes if you post something that's a little bit controversial uh, and I'm not saying I agree with this person but for example Andrew Tate is a good example of this right yeah he'll post something that people get really annoyed about so what happens is people go on there uh, no let's let's not say because Andrew no we say he's a good he's a, really, he's, he's a good example because okay. because you get you get the negative comments as well as the the agreeing comments and actually they're all good for engagement <laughs> right <laughs> it drives the algorithm yeah that's <laughs> I find it really funny that, that like Piers Morgan as well, another sort of example of this, where Piers Morgan will come on and he'll say something just that, that uh, you know, I believe this. And if people don't like it, then that's their problem. And then you'll have 50% of the audience going, well, that's ridiculous, you can't say that, and you're just uh, this or that or whatever. And then you'll get the other 50% saying, oh, I completely agree with him and, and, and this and that. Yeah. And all that does is it makes the platform who doesn't have a clue what this content's about, it's just picking up on the algorithms, go, oh, this is popular because everyone's commenting on it. Yeah. <laughs> and they're all arguing within the comments. So not only are you having a comment of positive and negative, you're then having the argument between the positive and negative within the comments. Oh, I see. Yeah. And all the time, your content's just going like that. And I, I but think do, you, do you have to have grown your, meat, your your personal brand to a certain level where, like, I mean, you picked two very famous people there, yeah. you know, um, Andrew Tate and Piers Morgan, and there's plenty of other people like that who, who put out this divisive content. And you can, I can see how it is good for their personal brand. And actually, you know, there's no such thing as bad PR. I, well, I think there can potentially be, but, um, you know, but how does, how does a small business owner replicate that without getting their feelings hurt? I think that you... If you're going to be controversial, you need to have a thick skin. Like yeah. you've got to accept the fact that if you're going to go out and put something out there that could upset people, then you have to be prepared for response. I mean, take take this for example. Here's 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 a really good example of this. So yeah. I I speak to probably at a personal level, so doing one to one consultations with people who are interested in me and fearless, probably 150 to 200 people a year. Okay, so that's quite a lot, for, mm. you know. Um, and I will tell people on those calls if I don't think they're up to the task of being a coach. Yeah. So if they're like, I want to, I want to start a coaching practice. Uh, cool. Okay. Could you see yourself doing 10 videos? Could you see yourself launching a podcast? Could you see yourself writing a book? And if they say no to that sort of stuff, I'm like, you're not cut out to be a coach yeah. because, because in order to get coaching clients, you can't just be a shrinking violet and hide behind things, you know, in 2023, you've got to have all of the marketing assets out there and a personal brand and be out there giving advice and and being vocal about who it is that you can help and how. So yes, yeah, so, I, so I'll proactively tell people if they shouldn't be running, a, if I think they shouldn't be running a business. Now, a business coach, yeah, should be supportive, should be, but, but equally, I think I'm helping people by telling them not to do something. I was just about to say that, look, you know, sometimes the best advice is the, is the advice we don't want to hear. Um, we, we talked about earlier, you know, the, the, the 
what I wanted to hear on that sales call is right, Darren. Uh, sorry, not on that sales call. On that, on that, on your mentoring call last week, what I wanted to hear was, uh, yeah, what we can do is we can run some ads. This is who you target, and then we'll get you some clients. Yeah, that was what I wanted to hear. But sometimes you need to be slapped in the face with the truth. Yeah, and for me it was hard because actually that's what I tell my clients: you need to hold, you need to hold fire, you need to build the assets, you need to build up your media, and then the clients will come as a result of that. So it was a bit of an even harder lesson because I thought, well, actually, you know, this is this is the message I'm preaching. Yeah. So I, you know, but sometimes well, we I, all, we I all do I do dish out. I, I will punch people on the nose metaphorically, not physically. I just make that clear. But I will punch people on the nose because it's a bit like imagine if you were. Uh, if you took up boxing and you, you're kind of gearing up for like some kind of charity fight, which you're going to go into, you know, in eight weeks time. And what happens is every time you get in the ring to practice and have a sparring match against somebody, your coach comes up and just gives you a big hug. And then you get into the ring on week eight and you get punched in the face. It's going to come as a bit of a surprise. So I, so I quite regularly dish out punches on the nose to not just clients, but also prospects as well. Because again, if they come into the coaching environment and I haven't already... And this is, this is something about the coaching space generally. It, it can be a bit two-faced. And people will, they'll sell you first and then you get the coaching experience and you think, well, this isn't what I was, this isn't what the experience I had before. So I'm very careful about making sure that the, again, what people see of me online as a personal brand, whether it be speaking, podcast interviews, videos like this, that I am, you know, honest, and I have the same approach to both. So what you see here is what you then will get in, yeah, in my as my product. What what's the what's the other option there? So you know, I, I would suggest that a, a bad coach and someone who is because there's a lot there's a lot of coaches out there who are rubbish and we've, they're just we've, fake. They're, I'm not going to I'm not going to beat about the bush. They're just yeah. fake. They're just about lining their own pockets and making money. Right. They're, not, they're not interested really in furthering their own skills in terms of like, you know, or or doing the hard work. They'll be there telling their clients to do the hard work, but then they're not prepared to get into the trenches and do it, do it themselves. It's like, it's this age old thing of, you'll get me ranting about this now, it's the age old thing of the fat fitness professional or the, the 21 year old life coach or the broke money coach. You know, we've all seen them, they're all out there. The scammers, the charlatans, the, the fake coaches. And, you know, I, I am quite outspoken about this, and this will trigger this will trigger a lot of people. But equally, if you're watching this and you're just starting out in business, whether it be as a coach or whatever it is, you are going to have a bit of imposter syndrome. You may not notice this, but what I've just told you, I've just given you the key ingredients to having a successful coaching practice, which is to not be fake, not be disingenuous, to do the hard work and aligned with personal branding, get out there and do the work. So that then when you hold your clients to account, you're not questioning yourselves during those coaching sessions. A hundred percent. A bad coach would take your client who, who uh, you know, your prospect, shall I say, will take your prospect who you don't think is going to make it and then say, yeah, sign up to my service and I'll help you. And then they know full well they're not going to get the results. So you, what you're basically doing is stealing that person's money. Yeah. So, so that, I think that's really important is to be honest to people. Uh, we're the same. You know, if we don't think we can help people grow their YouTube channel, grow their podcast or something like that, we'll, we'll be honest with them and we'll have a chat mm. outside the box. And I was saying to you earlier, you know, with, with, with the podcast, we, have, we sometimes have uh, corporate clients come to us and say, well, you know, we um, want to do a podcast, but I, I don't think a podcast about push chairs is going to do very well. And sometimes you have to be inventive, you have to think outside the box, but you need to be honest with people. And unfortunately, there will be podcast production agencies go, yeah, let's do the push chair podcast. Whereas we will step back and say, well, actually, look, I don't think many people are going to tune mm. into a podcast about push chairs. Why don't we change the narrative and make it about helping 
young mums or mums to be and grow grow that with and then this is how we but, that, but that's it. where you know you're not you're you're prepared to potentially lose that client yeah. by rather than just selling them what they want actually you're going to give them what they need mm-hmm. which is a podcast that people are actually going to listen to and sell them products but it's probably not quite exactly what they thought they were signing up to in the first place yeah and there's nothing worse right than well to be fair I, i've not actually I don't think I've experienced this. I can't remember. I don't think I've experienced this, but there must be nothing worse than having a client who is paying you on a monthly basis and you're just thinking, I don't know how to help this person. Because mm. all you're basically doing is taking their money. Yeah. It's like a tax. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, you know. Um, yeah. You, you, that must, uh, that's not fair. That's, that's, that's wrong in, in business. And yeah. I, I'd be dead against that. I, I think as well, it's worth saying, you know, because some, um, uh, Going back to, again, going back to personal brand, you know, and I suppose this is looking at it from the opposite perspective, not just as somebody setting up a personal brand, but if you are actually buying services in 2023, it's it's really easy to just do a little bit of due diligence and look at the person that you're about to spend the money with. And if if there's literally nothing about them online, that would be, that's my first alarm bell, like first and foremost. Um, If you're, you know, looking at their socials, YouTube channel and podcasts and things like that, and they've actually produced some decent content, you, you probably will already be in that space where you're starting to build up trust, especially if you've consumed some of that content. And then even, even something as simple as like Google reviews, you know, have they got like 20, 30 Google reviews as well? You know, or Trustpilot doesn't have to be Google, but Trustpilot, wherever, but verifiable sources of testimonials. Because again, there are so many so-called experts out there, and I mentioned this earlier on, who have none, nothing, and, and yet people then scratch their heads and wonder why, oh God, why didn't it work out with this person? Well, it's because they're not doing any of just the basics now of running a business in 2023. Yeah, definitely. And it, you think about my journey with you, right? So I'm now um, one of your clients, um, and we work together, um, and you, you're my mentor. But I didn't just sign up you. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't find you through an ad. Um, I come into contact with you, what, three and a half years ago. Yeah. And I've been with you what two months. Yeah. That's a process, right? That's that's yeah. that's value, 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 value. Sign up with Robin because I like yeah. him, and I think you can take. But, the, the but this is. I have people who who read the book two, three, four plus years ago. Read Take Your Shot, and then then eventually I get the call because the timing's right, and I'm just patient. I'm not going anywhere. I know that eventually, if it's a good fit, people will sign up. I don't mind giving up my time to have a consultation with somebody. Yeah. I, the amount of times I have people who question whether I should be charging people for that, and I'm like, no, because if, it, if it's a good fit and it's, it's an opportunity to help a business, whether they become a client or not, why would I not do that? I think, I think there does become a point. I've experienced this over the last five weeks where it's been full gas since Ali's podcast, and that's probably pushed me to the limits of my capacity, I would say. And, but, then, but then there's ways to leverage that. All, all I would do is probably say, okay, well, I can't do as many one-to-one consults anymore. Um, let's create some kind of a really value-driven like uh, group workshop, for example, or webinar where everybody can jump onto, a, you know, maybe semi-private, like five to 10 people at a time can jump on a call. I can do hot seats. They can get the coaching experience. In fact, I should argue whether I should be doing it anyway because that's aligned with what Fearless Business is, how that's delivered as a coaching program. Yeah. I think as well, like, you know, if you're, um, if you're generating the leads and you're having the leads come through and that's what you're struggling with, you've got, that's really important because that's the growth of your business. That's, yeah. that's the, 
the backbone and lifeblood, the veins of your business. You, you need clients coming in. So, you know, are there things that, again, you can outsource more? And I know that we've started working together recently since this. Yep. So you, what you've obviously done is you've seen, right, actually, do you know what? I, have, I need to get rid of that because I can focus on this more. Yep. I'm not going to lie, video, video's gone off. It's, it's been off the table for a long time because I have been so busy. I mean, it's not just with, with business, by the way. I, you know, people, I'm going to make excuses now. I have a young family and I want to spend time with them. I don't know why they want to spend time with me sometimes. I'm grumpy old git now, I'm 41. But, but it is to, it is, there is a point where, you know, content can become all-consuming. And But, but it, equally, it's been about my, my... I know it's going to sound really woo-woo, but it's also been about my energy levels. That I've just not been in a good headspace and energy-wise to want to produce content. Okay, I'm going to challenge something you said there, right? Sure. Because I don't think that that is a bit woo-woo or a bit anything. Your family... So, so I'll tell you now, the, the reason I run my business and the reason I want the success for it is for my kids and my yeah. wife. Yeah, it's all about family. If I just wanted some money, I'd go and get a job. But I want to build something for my children. And I think most business owners will have that sort of passion behind them. So I, I definitely don't think it's woo-woo. I think your family should always take priority. Mm. And your you burnout thing, I think you were coming on to, I totally understand that. And I think so many business owners struggle with burnout. And again, I think that's why you've got to really focus your time and your yeah. energy because we we will all burn out. I don't, you know, I don't care who you are. Well, how- well to be fair, I, I think I stopped producing as much content in order to prevent burnout. Yeah. Thankfully, I haven't burnt out. I've just had to really manage those energy levels. But oh, there's an element of, of, for me as well, about congruency. Um, I know a lot of people say sometimes it's better just to get some content out. And I think if you're starting up and you've got the time and, and you can do that, like that's great. I I struggled with, and again, this is just a bit of like you know radical can just a bit bit of honesty. Um, because I've produced, I feel I've produced some really good content in the past, and I don't want to feel like I'm rushing out a piece of content that's probably like seventy or eighty percent of the value or quality that I've put out before, because I've I've hit that bar. So there's always that balancing act as well of making sure that it, it is still good quality content, that I can do it consistently. And I've realized, finally, I've given in and just said, I can't do it all myself. Hence the reason why you're now going to be my content manager for YouTube, certainly, you know, so that I can start to get that consistency back to producing some, some decent quality content. And the thing is, like, again, if I, if I, as a business coach, if I can't find an hour to produce four short pieces of content, like 10 minute videos talking about a specific topic, I'm doing, I'm doing it all wrong. You know, so I've got to find that hour, one hour out of 160 hours a month to record to, to record four pieces of content. Use an editor like yourself to kind of put that content together for me. And then and then it's just about getting it getting it out there. But it brings that consistency back into it and keeps the quality high. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think that's that's the key is to just keep the keep the commitment there, but small. And yeah. that's you know what all, all of our video clients have the same problem they just cannot cope with long periods of time so a lot of our clients the value in which we offer to be completely honest is they want to they already see the benefits of growing a youtube channel they already know the financial the financial um benefits to doing that the, the yeah. business benefits the brand benefits and there's there's so many and they, they've, they've seen that so we don't need to sell that the issue is is that there's like a what, what i call like a j curve to growth yeah so um, I, I have clients who have paid me tens of thousands of pounds and they've seen minimal growth. But what we've seen is the spark of that, that yeah. momentum. Okay, so we're now 
we're having some videos out there that we've learned from that we're always looking at the analytics and we're doing that and that spark is starting to build so so it'll be a j it will come down and then it will come up but when it does it will it will shoot yeah and but it's taken me eight years to get partnerships with the likes of rob moore with ali abdul and people like that yeah you know that that's because i've done all of that hard slog and then all of a sudden then you get that up, uptick yeah and that i think that's your your curve starting to come back up isn't it yeah but you've it's taken you years to get there now um, I suppose if if so, so some of my clients want to try and make that J a quicker J, if you like, but they recognise that they're going to have to invest in that to happen. But the biggest problem of all of them is the fact that they don't have time, and they don't have the equipment. They don't have the, the unlike yourself the expertise to, to sort sort the camera out. Yeah. They just don't want that aggro. They don't want to learn because they haven't got time. So it's um. It, the biggest the biggest benefit that I actually offer my customers, I believe, is a little bit of knowledge around YouTube, around editing and stuff like that. But the biggest benefit, because you, you can learn how to edit a video on YouTube. Yeah. You can learn how to shoot a video on YouTube. You could you could research this. You could go and buy the right camera. You can do it all. Yeah. But the benefit I offer is business owners don't have time. Mm. And, and so what we do is we say, right, once a month, once every two months, or sometimes once every three months, we have really intensive days of filming. So they, sometimes they can be 12 hour days and I'm all right with that. Like I'm, I'm quite happy to, to, to have a long day filming and so on if it means I haven't got to meet him for another two, three months. Because actually for my, it works better for me, but also more importantly for my client, they can just spend one day getting loads out there and that's three months worth of content. Yeah. That's, that's the, the solution that I offer. And, and that's how I help business owners as well avoid their own burnout because actually if you well, take take this piece of content here we could potentially you can have one one long form piece of content you could probably cut this up into maybe three or four shorter segments like i don't know eight to ten minutes each yeah you could also cut it up into probably now what's this been 50 minutes you could probably get you know 20 or 30 shorts out of it so yeah. there's there's a number of assets there that you could build plus a blog article plus we take the audio out of this and drop it onto each of our podcasts mm -hmm. you know there's, there's a lot there's a lot of valuable stuff there you know, to, which that's yours now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, over to you. Over to you. Thanks. Make me look good, Dan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, no, but you're right though. A podcast, numerous YouTube videos, uh, loads of shorts um, from 50 minutes of recording. Yeah. Uh, and then look, let's blog it. Absolutely. Let's turn it into a blog. Let's have the SEO benefits. Let's, you know, it's, there's so many things that you can do with it. Yeah. And that is, I suppose, the message that we should put out to people. Yeah. So I think to probably summarize kind of what we've been talking about today, I mean, first and foremost, if you want to get clients and position yourself as an expert, um, it's really important you do build your personal brand through video, podcasting, blogging, SEO, all of the usual sort of suspects now, which, which people are doing. Um, but in, in summary, we talked about um, ensuring that you get your first 10 episodes of something out, you know, and it doesn't all have to be done in one go. If it takes you a year to get those 10 episodes out, whether it's a podcast or a YouTube channel, you know, get those first 10 things out as quickly as you possibly can. Um, make sure that your content is congruent with who you want to be, how you want to position yourself as a brand. Um, do pay attention to Google. Google is um, this uh, thing, believe it or not, that is still in use even now. 20 years on from when I first started building websites back in 2004, you know, SEO your content, whether it's a YouTube channel, podcast or blog or whatever, make sure that you're paying attention to those so that you appear in the image search, the, the video search and the, the organic search. Um, and then, you know, repurpose your content. Use somebody like Darren 
um, from you know motion to profit and your team to you know take whatever piece of content you're producing and then cut it up and create other pieces of content from it leverage that content and whilst it might cost you a bit of money um, paying somebody else to do it does give you the time back to be able to put into what you do best whether that's being a coach a consultant or a freelancer working with your clients you know um, it can be done with minimal effort and I'd say not minimal cost because there is obviously a cost associated with it but a small investment um, financially you can get some really good quality content made as well